And it's good to be here this morning. It's good to see you all here. Good to see our visitors with us this morning. We pray to be able to worship the Lord with us this morning. We've been looking at on Sunday mornings, we've been looking at what we believe as a church, our statement of faith. Um, and I know, i said this before, uh, I know that a lot of you already know what we believe, right? You know, and you're grounded, you know. But it's not, there's some. We have some young members that may not know all of this. It's good for them to hear it. It's good for us to be renewed in this too. We need to be reminded sometimes to go over these scriptures. You know, the Lord tells us, the word Bible tells us to make sure our salvation. Make sure our faith. Know what we believe. And hold on to that. You know, whenever, whenever I, I was plumbing and I broke my leg. And I was off work for six months. That's not that long at all, you know. I'm 50 years old, so six months is not really that long of a time period, right? But when I went back to work, did you know I, I could, what I could plumb before, how quick I could do it before I broke my leg, and then how slow I was when I went back just after six months. It was noticeable. That's just six months. But you don't use that knowledge. You don't study it. You begin to forget. You know, and I remember Dad telling me that He's forgotten things that he used to know. Or no, how did he word that? He 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 found some. Well, I don't remember how he worded it now. But anyway, he'd forgotten some things, and I kind of chuckled at that and thought that's kind of funny. You know, he's old. And you know, it wasn't long after that. Well, it wasn't a while after that. But I found some outlines in my desk, and I was reading those outlines. I mean, this is really good. Who wrote this? Get to the end of it. There's a note there that I preached it. Wow, I forgot some things that because I, I hadn't studied it in a long time. We tend to sometimes forget, so we go over these things again, and that's what we're doing. We're just going over some things that we believe, what we believe, why we believe them, and today we are down to uh, the way of salvation, what we believe, and we'll show you in the Word of God what the Word of God says is the way of salvation. Okay. So in this, I'm going to get my glasses on, I forgot. But it um, says, we believe that salvation, that the salvation of sinners is holy of grace. Through the uh, mediatorial offices of the Son of God, who by the appointment of the Father freely took upon him our nature, yet without sin, honored the divine law by his personal obedience and by his death made a full atonement of our, for our sins, that having risen from the death, he is now enthroned in heaven and uniting in the wonderful person and the tenderest sympathies with divine perfections, he is every way qualified to be suitable, a compassionate and all-sufficient Savior. So that's what we believe about salvation. And I just thought as I was reading this, what I'm going to try and do for next week, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to go through and print out all of these. May not have the verses on there, but that way you can have, you, I don't know if you have it or not, but you can have these, what I'm reading, and you can follow along with that. Because I was just thinking, I'm reading this, and you're just listening. I do better when I can see it, listen to it, and read it. I do better with that. Me, that's me. So we're going to take this bit by bit here. But we believe that the salvation of sinners is holy of grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. 
If I can get there, I'll read it. Ephesians 2, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. I've heard people say, there's, there's a man, I can't remember his name now, that I've listened to on the radio, and he has preached some really good messages for living. Um, but he undoes it all at the very end. Because he says, if you want to be saved, pray this prayer with me. And then he, after he prays the prayer, he quotes a prayer, he says, um, if, the, if, if you prayed this prayer, then let me know. And if you prayed this prayer, but you don't feel any change, just give us some time. And you will. Prayer, salvation is not in prayer. Look, I prayed every prayer I could pray and was still lost. Because it wasn't a prayer to save me. It wasn't a quoting of a prayer. It wasn't a saying of a prayer. It was the Lord Jesus Christ that saved me. By grace are you saved. You say, well, what is grace? Look down in verses 8 and 9. It says here, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace is freely given. It's not earned. Otherwise, Anything that's earned is a pay, is a, is a reward, is something you've earned. But grace is a gift. Faith is a gift that God gives to us. Salvation is holy by grace. It's not by us at all. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, I'm not going to turn here, but it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Christ came to save the lost. There's people in the world that they're okay. They're okay. They're, they're fine. They don't need a Savior. But I'll tell you, there was a time in my life where I was okay too. I was nine years old. I got in bed that night, and I was laying there in bed, and all, all of a sudden, I don't know I know where the thought comes from now, but then I didn't know. The Holy Spirit was drawing me, was, was calling me, because all of a sudden I realized, if I died that night, I'm going to hell. The night before, I went to sleep perfectly fine. That was the last time until I was 16 years old that I had a really good night's sleep almost. You know, just the Lord, he never left me alone. He bothered me. He bothered me. Grace is freely, grace is not getting what, you, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. We don't deserve salvation. Salvation is of sinners is holy of grace. Look in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4 and verse 10. This verse uses a word that we don't use very much. Or we don't use it all, really. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 John 4 verse 10. Uh, this verse says, Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Did you catch a word in there that we don't normally use? Yeah, propitiation. 
That's not a conversation word, is it? We don't use that in conversation much. But you look at this verse. He says, herein is love. Not that we love God. When, when, I, when I read that, I can't help but to think about in Matthew chapter 7, where that those, the Lord says that not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> you know, because there's going to be some that stand before the Lord, and they're going to say, look what we did. I did this. I did this. I, I, we, we, here's what we all we did. We love you. But look, it's not, it's not what they did. It's who they didn't trust in. We can't trust in our works. Here, here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This word, if you look up propitiation in the Bible, you'll find it three different times in the Bible. Three different times. But what is interesting about this word, if you look up the meaning of this word, so this, this word right here, propitiation, this means um, an appeasing is what this means, to be appeased. It's mentioned, it's two times in the Bible, and both times are mentioned as propitiation. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, so this propitiation means to appease, okay? So Christ came and he died for our sins, and we... Uh, the, the law was appeased because of Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, well, let's read verse 1. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the, right, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Christ died for our sins, because, remember, we're looking at salvation is by grace. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve for our sins to be appeased. But Christ came, and he, he is our propitiation. But you look at this word, the other place propitiation is mentioned is in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. But that gives a little bit more meaning into this word. So turn over there, Romans chapter 3, and verse 25. Because when you look these words up, when you look up the definition in 1 John 2.2 2 and 1 John 4.10, on my computer, I can, look up the, I can look up, highlight the word, and it'll show me the Strong's definition to it. And then underneath there, at the bottom of that little thing, it'll have the, like the Greek or the Hebrew or the Arabic numbers for that in the Strong's. And I can click on that, and it'll show me every place that that Greek or Hebrew or Arabic word was used. And when you look up 1 John, when you look up the word propitiation, it's used three times. But when you look up the Greek meaning there in 1 John 2, 2 and 4, 10, that's the only two places that word is used. So then I was like, now wait a minute. When I looked at propitiation, it's used three times. So why is this only used twice? And I thought something's wrong. Because there is some times in Strong's on the computer, I found a, a definition, and I've been like, I know that's not the definition. That cannot be the definition. So I get my big accordance out, I look it up, and sure enough, it's wrong on the computer. But on concordance, it's, it's a different word. And so I know that definition, by the sound of it, is right. But so, I'm getting, I'm digressing there. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, um, Romans 3 verse 25 says 
Let's see. Let's start verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, what is neat about this word propitiation, they're at the same thing at the very bottom of that page. I can click on the Greek letters, numbers, and you know how many times it says it's, it's mentioned? Two times. So I'm like, okay. The other one said three. Propitiation is three times, and I've read all of those to you. Those other two that I read means to appease. This propitiation means um, a lid, a covering, the mercy seat is what this means. So this word is mentioned two times, but only one time as propitiation. The other time is in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5. And I'm going to turn over there and read that. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5. Um, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1 says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Okay. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which God had, which, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it... The cherubims of the glory shadowing the mercy seat for which we cannot now speak particularly. The mercy seat there is the same word as propitiation in um, Romans 3.25. And you put all this together, Christ is our propitiation. He, he is the reason that our sins are covered. The mercy seat where is a covering for us. His blood covers us. Um, our Sin nature, our, our against the law, our transgression has been appeased. Not because of us, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, salvation is holy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you put all these together, you see that the mercy seat is showing that our sins are covered. And I love that because, and I know I've said it before, and you've heard it all your life probably. I have. But it means so much more that I've been saved and I'm studying it more and more and more that when the Lord looks upon me, when the Lord looks down and he sees me, he does not see my sin. Not because I don't sin, but because my, my life, me, I am covered with the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord sees. If you're here today and you're saved, you can thank the Lord that he does not see your sin. But he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, somebody somewhere will hear me say that and they will say, so you can sin and it's okay. Is that at all what I said? That is not at all what I said. Do not jump to those conclusions. Because if you think, if you're here today and you're saved and you think, well, I can sin because the Lord doesn't see my sin, I doubt your salvation. I'm sorry. Because you shouldn't have a desire to save, to 
I said that all wrong. You should have a desire to sin. You should have a desire to live for the Lord. That should be in you. If you, if you think that, well, since I'm saved and the Lord doesn't see that, I can do what I want to do. Something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong. We are saved. And the Lord does not see our sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you're lost. I struggle with the, I think it's in Proverbs, Psalms or Proverbs, I think. I may be completely wrong. But were that the tilling, the plowing of the field is sin to the wicked. I think that's the way it goes. Plowing of the, of the field is sin to those that are wicked. To the lost. A lost person can do right things. But you know what God sees? Sin. That's all He sees. Why? Because everything a lost person touches is tainted with sin. Everything. They can provide to their family. They can tithe. They can give offerings. They can support missions. They can come to church. They can sit on a pews. They can be a member of a church. But all the Lord sees, everything they do is tainted with sin. Because they're not covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just like, and I look at this and think, wow, that's amazing. Because as much as I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and God only sees the blood of Jesus Christ, a lost person is not covered and he sees all of their sin. Everything. You're here today and you're lost. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. He's it. So Christ, is our, he, he died for our sins. He covered us. Look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we want to start reading in verse 5. First Corinthians three and verse five. He says here, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom he believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. We are commanded to witness. We're commanded to go out and tell the gospel. Tell people how to be saved. But did you know you don't get them saved? You don't save them? You, as far as salvation goes, I'm sorry, but you are nothing. We are nothing. Because salvation is not of man. I told you about the group that would come in Kronleberger when, it, when I was working there and they would come in and the kids would talk about on the, after their visitation, talk about how many people they got saved that night. And it was almost a contest to see who could get the most people saved. We don't get anyone saved, folks. We point them to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ does the saving. He called, the Holy Spirit calls them and draws them. We can't pull them to salvation. We can't push them to salvation. We can talk to them. We can tell them. We can pray for them. We can pray over them. We can read them scriptures. We can quote scripture. We can have them. We can do all of that. But we cannot make them get saved. If you will, that terminology. Until the Holy Spirit begins to draw them, they will never see their need. They won't. They can't see their need because they are dead in sins. 
Look at Acts chapter 15. Acts 15. Here in this place, um, in this account, they are having a discussion here. Let's see. In verse 1, it, it sets the, the stage for the discussion. In verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, In a certain... And certain men which came down from Judah taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So there certain men came down and they were wanting them, these Gentiles that were saved, they were wanting them to follow the law of Moses. Um, but you don't have to follow the law of Moses because... They're under grace. Salvation is not by works. They were trusting in what they were doing. In verse 5, starts out and it says here, um, But there arose certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to commend them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider of this matter. And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know, how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost as he did unto us. And put no difference between them, but between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now we therefore, why attempt ye God? To put, ye, put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. For we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Uh, and you can, they're, 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 they're disputing, and they're taught, not disputing, but they're talking about, there was a, a dispution about this, that you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the sacrifices, you have to do all of this to make sure that you are saved. And they're coming together and Peter stands up and he says, look, you know that by my mouth, the Lord chose to use this for them to hear the word of God. But you look at what Peter says. He says um, in verse eight, and God, which knoweth the hearts. No, that's not it. Verse seven, uh, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that by the Gentiles, my, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Peter's not saying that he saved them. He's saying the Lord sent me to preach the gospel to them, and by the hearing of the gospel, they were saved. Peter didn't save them. The Lord saved them. Jesus Christ saved them, and that's what they go on and say there in verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. They weren't saved by some man, but they were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read down through here, and this is very interesting. James stands up after a little bit. I like this because you read this account. They, they talk about it. Peter talks about it. They're wondering, they're praying about it. And then it seems to me there's almost a little break. And in verse 12, uh, then the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring the miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered saying men and brethren hearken unto me Simeon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name 
And to his and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. That the, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles. And I like this part, this verse. And all the Gentiles. But look, at there's a comma. Upon whom my name is called. Saith the Lord, who doth all these things? The Lord says that he's going to come in and he's going to call out some Gentiles and save them. Um, it's not by Peter. It's not by James. It's not by man. It's by Jesus Christ. And it was, it was foretold already. We believe in this, that salvation of sinners is holy by grace. Completely and totally by the grace of God. We, we spread the message, we spread the gospel, we tell them, we point them to Jesus Christ, and we pray that the Lord save them. That's what we do. That's why we believe that. And then through the uh, mentorial office of the Son of God, that it's through his uh, mediating. I think I said that wrong. But in John 3.16, you know that verse of Scripture, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever... Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not believing in your prayers. It's not believing in baptism. It's not believing in church membership. What is it believing in? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's him and him alone. Um, Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Look, he, he is our mediator between God and man. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 there. I think it's Hebrews chapter 9. Let's see. Uh, well, we can look here at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 here. Um, We'll start reading at verse 11. It says, But Christ being come, and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle than made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into one, in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an, of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God? And you, this, what the, you can read down through here, but... Um, you know, right, that the book of Hebrews is talking about something that we have that is better. Better than the sacrifices. What, what were all the sacrifices? You can read over there in Leviticus, the giving of the law. It can be a very boring, if I could say that, read, read through all the sacrifices because, I mean, you read through there and if you're not careful, me, I guess I should say me, if I'm not careful, I begin to just zone out. And just read that. You know, it gets kind of boring. 
But if you read that and you study those sacrifices, what was the purpose for God giving those sacrifices to the children of Israel? What, what was the reason for it? Just so they'd have something to do? Just to keep their hands busy? No, all those sacrifices pointing to who? Jesus Christ. It's pointing to him. And that's what he's saying here that these bulls and goats say that the blood of the bulls and goats... Um, Verse 13, for it the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How many times, well, I'm going to say it this way, every year they would have to come and they would have to sacrifice and push all their sins forward one more year, one more year, over and over and over again. Why? Because that, that was pointing them to Jesus Christ that one day there's going to be one come that's going to die on the cross, shed his blood, and it's the Lamb of God. And his blood, and that's what it says in verse 14, how much more if the blood of goats and the uh, bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer could push those sins forward one year, how much farther, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much better is the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect one, sinless, the Lamb of God, how much more, how much farther is his blood going to push your sins as far as the east is from the west? I mean, he covers them completely. We have something better. It's it's because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm not going to read all of them. I don't know. Because <laughs> this whole chapter, it brings it out very well. We read down through verse 14. Um, verse 15 says, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, they, which are called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be a necessity um, of the death of the testor. And so I'm, I'm not going to read all of this down through here. But um, verses 19 down through verse 22, Moses speaks. Let's, let's read 19, 20, and 21. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water the, and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, so not only did he sprinkle the book, the law, and the people with the blood of the goats and all, um, calves and goats. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So Moses, when, he, when they had a tabernacle in the wilderness, and they, they got this all built, when they sanctified it, Moses came in and he took all the garments, he took everything in there, the tabernacle, the people, the law, and he sacrificed, and he took that, that wool and the hyssop, and he sprinkled that, that with blood, okay, of the, the goats and bulls and lambs and that. Um, he sprinkled them with blood. But look at verse 23. It was therefore necessary 
that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. You notice that the patterns of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What's the better sacrifice? The next verse says, for or because Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. When Christ came and he died on the cross, what Moses did in sanctifying and setting apart all those things for the tabernacle for the worship of the Lord, Christ came and he died on the cross. <clears throat> there was a, um, a curtain, not a curtain, but a, a wall type thing. I'm trying to think of what it was called. I, um, it's right there on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it. Fine twine linen. It's made of fine twine linen, which if I understand right, it's been a long time, but it's like a foot thick. You couldn't just tear it. It wouldn't blow in the breeze. None of that. It wasn't a curtain like we have on our windows. But it was like a wall, a separation between the Holy of Holies where that the high priest went once a year. And if you read that description, he had bells on the bottom. He had a um, uh, signet thing on the bottom of his robe and then a bell. And a signet, a bell all the way around him. And it's not written in scripture, but I've heard it that he had a rope tied to his ankle. Because if he ever stopped moving, he did anything wrong in there, he would die. Once a year, he went in. And nobody could go get him if he died. They had to pull him out by rope. But uh, he would go in there once a year. And that, this is why the, when Christ died on the cross, that that fine twine linen curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. Why? Because Christ, not in that tabernacle on earth, the pattern, but he went up into heaven into the true one that Moses saw when he could make the tabernacle. That pattern. Where did David get the pattern from that he gave to Solomon? Where did he get that pattern? from? It's what's in heaven. He got that and Christ went into that tabernacle and sprinkled his blood, his pure blood. And our sins are paid for. That's what that's talking about there. It's a beautiful picture when you look at all of that. And Hebrews talks about that, how that the... the Law, how did those sacrifices were to point the people to Jesus Christ? Every time they, because you look at that, the, the, the man would bring the lamb, and you read that closely that the man would put his hand upon the lamb's head, and then the man would slit the throat, and the priest would catch the blood. And that, that lamb was just brought, they had to take that lamb, and it had to be a perfect lamb. It couldn't be one that, well, we can't sell it, so we'll use it as a sacrifice. No, it had to be the best. The best. Not any impurities in that at all. And that's the one that they would bring. Because Jesus Christ is the best. No impurities in him at all. And he offered himself for me. For my sins. Look in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, verse, well... Verse 24 is the verse, but I will start in the thought here. Some of these thoughts go back a ways. Um, go back to verse 18. We'll start there. It says, For ye are not come unto the mount 
See, see if you can recognize where this is from, what Paul's talking about here. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched by and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of the trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. So if and if so must to me, and if so must as the beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. We read about that a couple Sunday nights ago. About that, how that Moses in the, in, when he given the law, told them to remember in Deuteronomy, remember how you got the law. Remember the getting of the law, the Ten Commandments. I always thought that Moses went up on the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments, and he came down, and then he told the Israelites the Ten Commandments. But in your reading in Exodus chapter 20 and 21, that's not what happened. The Israelites heard the voice of God. They heard it. Moses was up on the mountain, and then he told God told him, "You go down because they're going to cross the line. You go down and tell them not to." And he said, "They can't because we put a boundary on it. You told us not to cross. They won't cross." And God said, "You get you get down there. They're going to cross the line." So Adam, Adam, Moses came down off the mountain, and he was down there with them when they heard the voice of God give them the Ten Commandments. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. You heard, but you didn't even see a similitude. You didn't see a figure. You just heard the voice of God. As he gave the law, even the Ten Commandments was what it says there in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And you read over there in Exodus 20, 21, it backs that up. It shows that. But this is what that's talking about here, that they heard the word of God and the, the, the Israelites, they couldn't stand that. They told Moses, no, you have God talk to you and then you tell us. In verse 22, as you think about how that would be to hear the voice of God. Sometimes we think, man, if we could just hear the voice of God, I would really know what to do. If you heard the voice of God, I think you'd fall down. You wouldn't be able to stand. Think about the children of Israel. They, they, were, they were frightened to hear the voice of God. Verse 22 says, But ye are come unto Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an, an, an immutable company of angels, to the general assembly the, and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And here's our verse, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better that speaketh better things than that of Abel. We, we have a mediator between us and the Lord, us and God. We have the, the Father. We have a mediator between Him, and that mediator is Jesus Christ. He's there. He, he died on a cross. He gave His blood, shed His blood for us. We say a lot of times that He died on the cross, but if you read over there, He gave up, he gave up His life on the cross. Man did not take his life from him. They couldn't. They could not. But he gave up the ghost on the cross. And we're not going to get into the next point. But the next part is who by the appointment of the Father freely took upon him our nature, yet without sin. 
He took upon us our sin nature and died on a cross for me, for my sins. The Bible says that the iniquity of us all was placed upon him. My iniquity, my sins were placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he willingly, for the joy of the cross, endured. He did that for me. Look, salvation is holy by grace. It's not by prayer. It's not by church membership. It's not by anything else. But it's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is how we are saved. And He is our mediator. He he is our go-between, if you will. So, the salvation. If you're here today and you're lost, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way. There's no other way of salvation but through Him. That's it. You know, and I've said many times that I, I tried I tried so many different ways to be saved. If anybody said they were saved this way, I would, I would try. I wanted to be saved so bad. But I was not willing. I was not willing to let go of everything that I had. Of what I knew. Until one day, <clears throat> standing there in church, you know, there was nothing else to do. There was nothing else to pray. There was nothing else to trust in. I was out of options. I was out. There was nothing else to do. There wasn't a prayer to pray. It was strictly, what if you're going to save me? You're going to have to do it. Because I can't. Is it giving up on myself? Solely trusting Him to do the work. The work that he said, it's mine to do. He saved me then. Not because of what I did. Because of him. He saved me. If you're here today and you're lost, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the only way of salvation. He's it. So, as the musicians...